Hey, today, guys, we have Kathy Board, a.k.a. Mama Daisy, on the podcast today. Welcome to 4116 West Smiley, Mama Daisy. Thank you, Henry. Glad you're here today. So you decided to be on the podcast? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so you think of Smiley Court? Give me some memories that you have of Smiley Court, Dan. Well, I grew up in Montgomery, so I've been here all my life. Okay. Um, I can remember Smiley Court just getting a bad name. Uh, it seemed like it was always something bad happening there. There was a lot of violence and, mm-hmm. and you know, things that, that came out of the news. And I really didn't know the people, though, so I was being a little judgmental. But Smiley Court's just always gotten a bad rap, you know, in Montgomery. So that's cool. You have 4116 West Smiley Day, and we'll see how things change when you're done. Okay. So you said earlier you grew up in Montgomery most of your whole life. I did. What communities did you grow up in? Uh, I grew up in the Highland Avenue community. I went to Highland Avenue Elementary, and then okay. Capitol Heights Junior High, and then a Robert E. Lee High School. Cool. And then went to AUM. So I'm so cool. So does explain growing up during that time period in Montgomery, like what are some things that were very unique about that time period? Because it seemed like – you was in the same feeder pattern, the same neighborhood majority of your whole life, right? I was. So yes. how was that? Like, how, do, how does that impact you now, or how were those things going up during that time period? Uh, I mean, things were good. You know, I had a good life. I lost my father when I was only seven. He passed away. So I was raised by a single mom. Hmm. It was tough, but um, I was very involved in church mm-hmm. at Howland Avenue um, Baptist and then in Morning View Baptist. And just got in with some good Christian people. I was involved in sports. Mm-hmm. And, involved in cheerleading so you know that kind of helped help me stay grounded you know with it too and I had some wonderful mentors too so that was that was huge in my life it was having a mentor that would kind of guide me and you know having a single mother I didn't know a lot of things that were available college-wise and all mm-hmm. so having mentors kind of helped me find my way to AUM and mm-hmm. get a degree and you know become a teacher so that's very interesting that you said that because I did not know that your father died when you were seven years old. Mm-hmm. So were you the oldest, youngest, middle I child? I was the baby. I oh, was man, the so you was the youngest with that scenario. Yeah, I had a brother in college and then one a few years ahead of me. And my brother in college actually had to quit. He had a football scholarship at Southern Miss and had to quit and come home to oh, wow. help raise me and my younger brother. Wow. So, so by your father passed, that really impacted a lot of people. Oh, there. absolutely. You know, my mother's health was never good um, after that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've kind of had to stick together and, you know, raise each other a little bit. And then she passed away probably 40 years ago. So Yes, well, so growing up without your father, how did that impact you or how did that be relatable to that time period? Because at that time period, mostly everybody probably had a two-parent home, right? Oh, in absolutely. That, right? So yes. mm-hmm. how did that impact you growing up at that age, knowing that, you know, your father was gone, but everybody around you kind of had yeah. their dad? So it was how- tough. But I was very blessed that I had some friends whose fathers kind of took me under their wing. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I had a brother that was uh, 13 years older than me. So I, I really am thankful for the, him coming home and being in my life. And I always say he raised me, you know, and my other brother too, you know. So on Father's Day, I sent them both a, a message telling them I appreciated them mm-hmm. that uh, they had to, they took it on a job they didn't ask for, but they did it well mm-hmm. though. So. So that's a blessing in disguise when you really think about it because you were really blessed enough to have a community around you that stepped in. You talked about your church and you talked about your brother stepping in and things that matter. So mm-hmm. it's greatly, it's, I think that's very important to know that because a lot of people really go into this scenario thinking like, oh, well, a lot of people are raising children by themselves and things that matter and they got it pretty tough. But you were pretty blessed to have a real strong support system around you. I was. I mean, there were still tough times. So mm-hmm. Probably financially was one of the hardest things living you know, just having one parent and, uh, you know, getting Social Security. But still, so many of my other friends lived in nicer houses, had nicer clothes, got vehicles when they turned 16. Mm-hmm. And I kind of missed all, you know, missed out on all that. But, you know, hey, if God's going to take you to it, he's going to take you through it. So, yes, ma'am. You know. So you mostly grew up in that, that part of North Montgomery, the office they call it now in today's world in North Montgomery. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking in my head now, you went to Capitol Heights. Was the prison still over there by Capitol Heights at that time period? Kilby? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was during my elementary uh, days. My dad actually worked at Kilby oh, before, for he passed, before he passed away. Yeah. So that was very close to home then every day. It was, then. yeah. So how was it growing up knowing that a prison was that close to the house? Though? Scary, because every time there was a prison break, I was always afraid <laughs> they were going to come to my house. <laughs> they were going to find me <laughs> and my family. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it was. It was very scary, you know. So, And I remember riding down um, what is now Federal Drive and all, mm-hmm. and seeing the prison, and seeing the prisoners out in the prison yard, you know. Oh, and all, wow. So, yeah. 
Because yeah. the reason I want to bring it up because a lot of times in today's world, people don't realize how everything was really in that area of Montgomery mm-hmm. at one point. You know, we think about prisons now, we think it more down 65, Elmore County, things that matter. But that time period, it was in the neighborhood. It in was the in the community where you were growing up That's at. what I'm saying. We could ride past and see the prisoners out in the yard, you know. Wow. So how was it going to Capitol Heights uh, Junior High at that time period? Uh, loved it. That was actually where I met my, my mentor, who is now my also my second mother. She was the... My PE teacher and uh, oh. going through there, going through Capitol Heights, I realized, you know what, I think this is what I want to do. And then I was blessed to go on to Lee and had some wonderful PE teachers there mm-hmm. and pursue a career. You so, know, it, so what's your middle middle school, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, junior high teacher name? Diane Lindsay. Diane We're still, Lindsay. Now she's Nana. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Coach Lindsay really is the person who, who kind of turn you or put you in a position of wanting to be in the education field. Yeah, absolutely. And also she she mentored me as a mother, too, because I think I told you earlier, my mother was health was not good. Yes, ma'am. So she kind of took me under her wing, and to this day we're very close. My children think it's their grandmother. Wow. And uh, so I, we just clung together, you know. It's kind of amazing that as I'm continuing to hear more about your story because I think a lot of times, you know, we grow up the way we grow up, you know, circumstances happen and things happen in our lives. But I think God really gives us a lot of times what we need and not what we want. And mm-hmm. even in the process of growing up the way you did, it seems like God was putting little rams in the bush for you as your life was happening throughout that Absolutely. time period. Absolutely. So that's kind of cool to know that, again, I always remind people who listen to the podcast and you listen to everybody's story that God has a plan, mm-hmm. even in the midst of everything that we're going, going through and things that matter. And it's very interesting that uh, Coach Lindsay was there for you in middle school because if she wasn't there, and I'm telling, if Coach Lindsay would have never been there, what do you think you would end up doing? Like, Oh, my gosh, I don't know. I probably still would have been a teacher or maybe. You know, Henry, when, when I grew up, too, we didn't have the – guidance counselors that gave us like career you know helped Mm -hmm. us with a career choice Mm -hmm. you were either a secretary a teacher a nurse or you you know just a stay-at-home you know mom or whatever so um you know i probably would still been a teacher because i used to play school you know all the time too (laughs) but um but after you know because i was involved in sports i loved sports and that's you know i do still to this day uh i probably you know but it was just her her nudging me and and helping me and then when I got to Lee, I met Betty Butler, and she was like, wow, you know, that was my second mentor. So, wow. And I still keep in touch with her as well, too. So. Yes, ma'am. So when you think about you love sports so much, like what's your favorite sport during that time period? Oh, oh during that time period? Yes, Ooh, probably football. You know, I'm a you huge. You like football for real? You know I do like football. I know you like football now. <laughs> but I'm saying back then growing up, you really liked football? Oh, I did. I was a cheerleader, and that was my favorite sport to cheer for. My older brother played high school. At, uh, Lee and I tell you, went to college before. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've been saying you went to Southern Miss, right? Yeah, and then before my dad died. So, um, But now I've kind of branched out. Um, I mean, I love baseball but i'm more of like i like to be there rather than watching mm-hmm. it on tv and i like to go to the auburn games anything i can see in person is a whole lot more fun to me than watching it on tv yes, ma'am. So. so the question i have to do about that time period as i'm thinking about coach Lindsay, there were not many female coaches at all around were they no yeah. just um, i mean she was just the pe teacher but she did, she did coach softball you know and all too so um but no there wasn't a whole lot so, know, how did, so how did that impact you guys? I mean, I'm sorry, you young ladies growing up during that time period because you look at now, you see numerous amount of PE coaches or educators mm-hmm. in the building that are in the physical uh, part, physical education department that are females. How did that really impact, you know, growing up a young lady during a time period? Like you said, it was only like maybe five jobs that you probably right. was, mm-hmm. was probably destined to go through during that time yeah. period. So how was it very important back then to have a positive female role model in the school system back then? Well, I think seeing her um, interact with all the students not just me mm-hmm. uh, and and what an impact and and how she influenced so many young girls it was like you know that would that meant a lot to me because I'll never forget one thing she told us when we were playing basketball she said I want you to get out on that court and you play like a boy you be as mean and tough <laughs> as you did but when you walk off that court you're a young lady and I'll never oh, forget wow. that I'll never forget that so um, you know, hers wasn't just a, a coaching basketball; it was coaching life. Mm-hmm. You know, to me. So that's good to hear. That's that's still good to hear that. You know, again, throughout our lives, we have people that step in and help us in certain areas, mm-hmm. and also give us that encouragement that we need in some of those time periods where we seem like we may have that. So you find yourself leaving Capitol Heights, 
and then you find yourself at the big Robert E. Lee High School. Okay, Robert E. Lee Ooh, High School. Oh goodness. So I just want to stop everybody and know that you know I'm a poet at heart. So go poets. I know we've uh, had this conversation before. <laughs> so go poets for everybody who's out there listening. So, but I'm still gonna sit sit and let Mom Days talk about her great high school days at Robert E. Lee High School. So how was going to Robert E. Lee High School? Um, it was it was fabulous. It was a tough time too though too. Uh, a lot of things were starting to creep into our culture that had an effect on young people, you know, mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and, you know, teen pregnancy and everything. So it was really a time where I had to really do some soul searching. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at that time that I uh, accepted Christ thanks to a Sunday school teacher. And, oh, wow. And so it, that helped me make decisions, you know, that I was going to be faced with, you know. I kind of learned to go ahead and set my boundaries and my standards so mm-hmm. when those circumstances came up I would be able to say no you know so so what were some of the things that were influencing your generation back then that caused those things like you said to creep to you guys culture what are some things that were influencing y'all um, like I said I, I think it had to, uh, you know a lot to do with the drugs and the alcohol too and I think more then too you had these bands coming out and more movies coming out mm-hmm. they were um, you know, an influence, you know, like promoting use of drugs and alcohol and, and teenage sex, you know, too. So are you really saying rock and roll had an influence on your generation? <laughs> yeah. I'm being honest. Because yeah. I always see the movies and people, you see the parents like, I'm not going to let my child listen to rock and roll, blah, blah, no. blah. And all the Bible people saying it was wrong, things that matter. So you're really, Jimmy, saying that rock and roll really had that much influence it on It did, them? but... I didn't care for the, the hard rock and roll, though, the heavy mm-hmm. metal. I, I didn't I didn't like it at all. My brother listened to it, and I didn't I didn't care for it. I was more the the mellow kind, you know. So, so. give me an example of a mellow kind. Um, I loved Elton John. Okay. Um, still do. Uh, I was trying to think who else was very popular there. Um, you won't even know who these people are, Henry Herman's Hermits and Paul Revere and the Raiders. So you don't even know them. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, and I loved Motown too. I was a big um, okay. Diana Ross, The Supremes, mm-hmm. Drifters. Yeah, yeah. I wanted something I could sing and dance to. Not so yet. all those are pretty good music though. Yeah, that's pretty good music. I still listen to it today. Yes, ma'am. So that's pretty good music. So how old when you gave your life to the Lord then? I was probably around 15, 16. Oh, so you got to say about 15 years old. Yeah, I mean I'd always been in church and I knew about God. My mother had made sure. But it wasn't until I really got older that that understood understood that I needed a relationship. I didn't need mm-hmm. to just know about him. I needed to know him. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I remember getting on my knees with my Sunday school teacher at her house, and oh, wow. I asked God to come into my life. And so, like I said, I mean, I still made bad decisions in high school. I mm-hmm. wasn't a goody goody for sure. Oh, for sure. But I think if I had not been grounded and had those people around me. I hate, it scares me to even think what I, you know, how it would have turned out. So a 15, 16 year old gives her life totally to the Lord when it seems like everything around you is going crazy. Yeah. Um, I always say this too, I think a lot of times, how a child views their, how that child views God is how they view their father. So during this time period of being 15 and 16 year old, what made you think, I guess, away from religion to more of a relationship? Like, what caused you to be like, I really know about God, I've heard about him, we've been in church all this time, mm-hmm. but now I really want this relationship. Like, what caused that to happen? Well, like I said, I think it was my Sunday school teacher that influenced. She, what's, what's her name? Her name was Jane Aragai. Oh, um, said it. <laughs> Jane Aragai. Okay. And, uh, I mean, she opened up her home every night, every day of the week. You know, I think back now, I thought, you know, sometimes she probably wanted to, like, when we rang the doorbell, she's like, y'all need to go home. I need some time with myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she always did. She opened up her home, and um, she was a big influence on a small group of my friends that we were in Sunday school together. And, you know, she she never turned us down, never turned her back on us. Wow. So, yeah. so this Morning View or Highland Garden? This Baptist? was Morning View. So this Morning View Baptist. Yeah. Now, I was at yeah, Highland Avenue Baptist, then Morning View. And I changed to Morning View when I got in junior high because... A lot of people that I met in junior high went to Morning View. Oh, and, when you was at Capitol Heights. Yeah, and uh, I think it kind of hurt my mother, but my mother was like, as long as you're in church, you know. Did your mom go to Morning View no, too after that? No, she, she stayed, stayed at Highland Avenue. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So Sunday she would go to Highland, and then you would go to Morning View? Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. I, so I had that question about that too, because sometimes I still drive through that neighborhood. Uh, I have a young man that I mentor that stays on Midway. Uh, right now. That's Highland Gardens. Yes, ma'am. I went to Highland Avenue. 
off okay. of Mount Meggs and Highland Avenue. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So what I was bringing that up, bringing that up, is the fact that those churches were so close back then. Yes. So why were they so close back then, like that? I I couldn't answer that one. Because like every mile, there was a church that was a Baptist <laughs> church, like every mile or whatever. So it's not like it was five, ten miles away. Like mm-hmm. every time you took a turn, it was a Baptist mm-hmm. church. There. But there were small churches too, though. They weren't, you know, Yarbrough Street Baptist and Highland mm-hmm. Avenue. I mean Highland Gardens. Mm-hmm. You know, they're small churches. They weren't your big church like Morning View and some of the Del Wright and some of the others. So. Oh, so they were more centered toward more of a community neighborhood. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go all the way back. We're back in high school now. You said <laughs> things are going kind of crazy. But at the same time, you were trying your best to make the best decisions that you can make during that time period. Give me some good memories you had in high school, though. Uh, I hate to keep bringing up football, but that was one of my best memories because during that day, that was Lee's heyday. You know, they were okay. winning state championships and everything. So Were, were they, like, losing to Lanier or, they, or Lanier was Oh, I'm beating? sure they were smoking Lanier. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sure they were beating them bad. Because there's no way that Lee can be good during that time period to live near not be good during that time period either. <laughs> so there's a reason I'm asking that question. So Because I always remember my, me knowing history like I do, in order for Lee to get to those championship games, they had to beat Lanier, right? Yes. Okay. So let's go through those memories of that because I used to always read these stories that the Lanier and Lee games were like the biggest games ever in the city during that time Absolutely. Period. So give me some memories of that. Well, if I can go back even further, my oldest brother played ball at Lee during mm-hmm. 61, 60 and 61 in those years. And you're talking about him being a big game. Mm-hmm. You didn't go to the game that night by your ticket. You had to go to Patterson Field weeks in advance and stand in a long line to get a ticket to get into Crampton Bowl. So you had to go weeks in advance to get a game. It's like going to a college game. You didn't just walk up to, you know, like you don't walk up to Auburn or Alabama and buy a ticket at the gate. Mm-hmm. You had to get these tickets in advance, and you had to stand in line. It was oh. a hot commodity. So during that time period, that was the, the game of the year. Oh, absolutely. You didn't have Jeff Davis, you know. And, and oh, yes, ma'am. Cool. It was only those two major high uh-huh. schools then during uh-huh. that time And I don't, I'm not sure when Carver was built, so I don't know. Carver was still around, but BTW was their rival. Okay. BTW mm-hmm. was their rival. So yeah. that's why I want you to bring that up because so many times in today's world, we don't understand how big of that game was when it was only a couple of high schools here mm-hmm. in the city. So people would have to go weeks and weeks in advance yes, just to get that ticket. Just to get that hot and it, ticket. And it had to be around like November, November during that time period. Probably so, I would think. I'm not sure about the, the time because I was only six and seven years old, you know, mm. at that time. So, so during that time period, that was a big game for you then? Well, it was. It was because my brother played, you mm-hmm. know, too. So um. so outside of football, what are some other good memories you had in high school? Um, well, I will say, too, uh, I had a – a uh, group of friends that I uh, got very close with and you probably see now uh, even to this day we, we're coming up on our I forgot how many years it is 40 something I don't <laughs> I don't want to go there uh, but there are eight of us that graduated together from oh, Lee cool. that ran together and to this day we get to, we started about eight years ago and we get together once a month that and is see each so other. cool and we call ourselves the R.E.L. Babes. The R.E.L. Babes. <laughs> the Robert E. Lee Babes of 74. So, so how's that been, though, still keeping that group together even now oh, throughout the years? Oh, that's awesome. It's a wonderful group of Christian women. Uh, we're prayer warriors for each other. We're there during the good times, the bad times. And, you know, people are amazed that eight women that graduated, you know, that may, uh, it'll be 50 years. Oh, you wow. Know, um, that are still together. Like I said, we didn't start to get together until about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, and so some of us are married, some are divorced, some are widows. And like I said, we've been there through every all the good times and the bad times, you know. So that's a, bless- <clears throat> so that's a blessing within itself when you uh, think about that. Because, like, you know how I love history. I would love to, you know, come to one of y'all of things and, like, pick everybody's brains because you realize there's not many people around that can really talk about those days that you have been talking about mm-hmm. during that time period of Montgomery. So it's a blessing, I think, that all of y'all still get together and still have that great yeah. relationship with each other. Yeah, but FYI, we don't let any guys in our group. Oh, I'm sorry to hear yeah. that, Dad. Yeah, sorry, Henry. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> so you end up doing well in high school. You have these great memories. What? put you in the direction of AUM during that time period? Like, what are some other schools that you thought about going to? Well, again, it came to the point where I didn't have the the parental guidance and, 
you know, and people to say, these are your options, you mm -hmm. know. And it was a big financial thing, of course, too. I couldn't go away to college because, I, you know, we couldn't afford it. So I had to stay at home and go to AUM mm. um, at that time. So AUM, we look at it now compared to back then. Give me some differences between now and back then. Wow, a lot. Um, for one thing, AUM at that time was more of people like me or adults that, you know, were um, middle-aged or 30-ish or whatever, and they were there just to go to school. There was no social, college life. Social life, life at none, all. None, none at all. There were no dorms. There were no fraternities, no sororities, nothing, you know. And people were there literally to get their degrees, get out of class, go home, and so they could go to work or, you know, whatever, take care of their family. So there was no campus life, hardly. I was blessed, though, that I was, um, I got a work study. I was able to get a grant. Mm, that's cool. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so I got a work study, and I worked for the basketball coach. Oh, man. So, so you still around I sports? I still <laughs> around sports. <laughs> you still around sports still? Still around sports. So um, so I worked for him, you know, while I went to school. So. And I look back now and think I would have loved to have gone to Troy. I don't know that I would have gone to Auburn. It mm -hmm. might have been a little big, but Troy would have been a great fit. Yeah, you know, go, for me. go Troy Trojans. Yeah, go Troy there. Trojans. That's, my money's there twice for <laughs> both my children. <laughs> so go Troy Trojans. So you end up going to AUM, which is very convenient for you during mm -hmm. that time period mm -hmm. due to different circumstances and things that matter. You end up finishing in what degree? Uh, I had a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Physical Education. Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education. So that goes all the way back to Ms. Lindsay, Coach there Lindsay. There you go. Right? It goes back to Diane Lindsay and okay. Betty Butler. Yes, ma'am. So you graduate from AUM. What's your first job? <laughs> Highland Gardens Elementary. Oh. <laughs> hey, I stay in the 36107, 36109 <laughs> zip code, okay? <laughs> so you full circle. Full circle. So where was Coach Lindsay when you got your first job there? Um... I was trying to remember. I, I, she may have retired by then. I'm not 100% sure. Did you call uh, her and let her know that you were Oh, gonna, absolutely. She knew. Okay, yeah. okay, what did she say? Oh, she was exci excited, you know, loved it. So. Okay, so you find yourself back in your old stuff and grounds. Right. Now, I graduated from, I went to Highland Avenue, and this is, my job was at Highland Gardens. Mm -hmm. So I was two different, you know, places. But you really like in the same world. Though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, same world. We're just across, across, you know, across Madison Avenue is <laughs> yeah. the only thing that separates yes, us. <laughs> so when you think about that, your first job, like, you were excited, right? Oh, thrilled, thrilled that I got a PE job. Okay. So I just want to ask this question because, you know, so many people in today's world don't understand teaching back then to now from a financial standpoint. So tell us how about your first, your first. Your when I first. got my contract, I thought, there's no way I can spend this much money. I thought, I'm going to be rich. I've made $10,400 a year. <laughs> <laughs> so and I thought, how made, am I going to spend $10,000 a year? You, know? you made $10,000 a year. Yes, sir. Your first year teaching. Absolutely. Oh, my God. <laughs> If you told a teacher right now, like, you're going to get paid $10,000 <laughs> <laughs> right now. That's probably about what I make now at Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. No, don't I didn't. Well, I, don't work, I just work part-time, though. So. But, wow, that is amazing that starting off back then, $10,000 was, like, the Go. best thing oh, ever yeah. for you back then teaching. Mm -hmm. So let's go to, like, just from that pay standpoint, you're starting out. What did you end on then? Um, gosh, Henry, I can't remember. It was in the high 20s or so. Probably. Okay, so that was an increase over the years. Oh, yes. You? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So starting off, you, you started elementary school. Like, what are some memories you have from your first year of teaching? That was, that, that was, like, shocking or very joyful at the same time? A uh, little bit of both. I was scared to death. Uh, it was a little bit of a culture shock, even though I had grown up you know, around that area mm -hmm. and everything. It was it was hard because um, some of the kids were hard. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, they were coming from Newtown and, um, you know, Kings Hill and Dixie Court and all in, mm -hmm. um, in the Highland Gardens, you know, area. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of them were very street smart, you know. Mm -hmm. And they were raising their younger siblings. You know, there was no daddy in the picture. And the mom, you know, I can remember I used to have to do breakfast duty. It made me so mad. They'd come in there, I don't like this. And I thought, you know. Get your mom to get up and fix you something. You know? Well, my mom was not even home. You know? Oh, wow. You know, so, um, and me being the softy I am, it didn't take long. I thought, these kids need a mama. Yeah. They just need somebody to be consistent with them, to love them, be consistent discipline, mm -hmm. you know, discipline-wise. And, you know, I could not, 
you know, my, one of my own children asked me one time, Mama, when do your kids go and pray and read the Bible? I said, sweetie, we don't. We oh, can't wow. do that. But I always said, so I just told them, I said, I have to show them God through my actions. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to let them know that I'm a Christian woman, you know, a godly woman. And, you know, I always told them, anything you hear me say, you can say. And I said, mm-hmm. if you don't hear it come out of my mouth, you don't use it, you know. So is that a lot of, that's great encouragement to a lot of, people, I guess believers in the world now who in the education field that say, well, I can't really share my faith. I can't really talk about God. I can't really read my Bible. Things that matter because of the world that we stand in now. But Mm -hmm. just by you sharing that, it's really about how you live your life. Exactly. That people will see Christ in you. So that's very encouraging to anybody out there who's in the education field or even thinking about getting the education field. Like you can still walk out your light, your life that people see that light in you to know that there's something different about you. So even that being said too, from a culture standpoint, you begin to see a large amount of your students were coming from very broken homes, broken oh, environments and things of that mm-hmm. mind. So what encouraged you from your life by seeing their lives that great things could still come out of them? Well, I mean, my life at home was not bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, I didn't see the things. I was not abused. There was no alcohol. There was no abandonment or anything. But in a way, I could relate to them, too. It was a struggle. You know, mm-hmm. life was a struggle. And I thought... They need to know that somebody loves them and there is hope, you yes, know. Well. And so, you know, there were times I would share, you know, that I grew up from a, a one-parent home, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I, I promised myself that I would get myself out of that situation and I would make a, a living for myself and a home for my, you know, home for a family. And I wanted them to see that same thing, too, that, you know, it's possible. Yes, well. You don't have to have, you know, if, if you don't have money, there's ways to go to school. There's ways to do things, yes, well. you know. And I, I, Henry, I truly believe education is the answer to the crime and everything else mm-hmm. in our city. If you can't read and write, you can't do anything. Yes, well. You know, and the only thing you know to do is to cheat and steal. Yes, you know? well. So, uh, you know, I, I think it was very, that I could relate to them very easily. You know? And I just want to bring it up because a lot of times you see teachers that go into environments, educators that go into environments, they're like, man, I can't relate at all. Or I don't know, you know, these kids know stuff I don't know, their spirits and things you but mm-hmm. you are really a testament that not only that you can sometimes have things in common, but you're you can let Christ use you to be a light in a very dark place. Absolutely. So it's always encouraging to hear that that a lot of people sometimes feel like they can't be those things, mm-hmm. but you are a testament that you can be in an environment and look at somebody that may not look like you, but you can let Christ shine through you right. to impact their lives too. So that's very encouraging to hear yeah. you say that. And also too, I mean, um, Highland Gardens was uh, predominantly black, maybe like 60% black, 40% mm-hmm. white or whatever. And and you know me, Henry, <clears throat> you and I have had a wonderful relationship. And obviously you're black and I'm white. Yes, ma'am. That's never made a difference in our <laughs> relationship. No, never. No. I always tell everybody you're my son. Yes, you know? ma'am. And uh, I looked at those children, that's what I'm saying. I felt like they needed a mother. And I love those little black boys just as much as I loved my own children. Yes, ma'am. You know, and I love the little girls, too. And the and, you know, when you hug them or just tell them they're worth something, you can just feel them melt in your arms. Yes, well. You know, like, man, somebody really does care. Yes, well. You know, and like I said, having a constant person who disciplines them, you know, they knew their boundaries and, you know, mm-hmm. they were, they, oh, they were thriving on it. You know, they, mm-hmm. they were so hungry for somebody to love them in that way as well, too. Yes, well. So, um, yeah. And even to this day, when I see kids out, you know, in the community and everything and, you know, it's, it's so good to see them, you know, see them doing well and, you know, and, and those that are thriving. Of course, not all of them did. Yes, well. You know, some of them are making car tags, you mm-hmm. know, but, yes, uh, well. but uh, you know, there's a lot of success stories, you know, in that too. So, so out over the years, how often have you got a chance to come across some of your former oh, students? Oh, pretty though? often. Pretty often? Yeah. You know, it, it, it both, and now I have grandsons that play ball. You know, I ran into one this past year that I taught, and he was uh, coaching my grandson. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was like, oh, my goodness. And he's a firefighter, you know, and I thought, wow, that that really did my heart good. That's you know? good. That's good because I think even knowing that in the work that we do, sometimes we see the current reality of what we're in, and we're like, man, is, is they ever going to do better? Are they really listening to me? Yeah. Are they really looking at what I'm doing and things that matter? But. I always encourage people, like, over time, God has a way of doing those things, of, of reminding us of his faithfulness, reminding us that our life is worthy and mm-hmm. that our life does have importance and the people that we're interacting with every day. Mm-hmm. So it's very encouraging to know that from time to time you get those reminders again yeah. that, that it wasn't in vain with yeah. those things that you were trying to do. I'm very proud of my teaching career. You know, I take a lot of pride in it. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed it. And, I, you know, it just does my heart good to see 
you know, see them. You know, I, I work here at Fraser with the youth now. I've got youth that I taught their parents. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I've even had staff members, you know, that I taught. So, it, you know, it's, it's fun. It's Isn't good it? to look back. So how long were you at Highland Gardens? Uh, 20 years. I, I, oh, I, three so years you, in Mobile and then 20. I started at Highland Gardens, went to Mobile for about two or three years and came back and the job at Highland Gardens was open again and I finished out my career there. Oh, wow. So what's the total amount of years you was at Highland Gardens then? 20 probably. Around 20. Wow. Yeah. So you were there for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. No other school at all. Well, I was saying I went to Mobile oh, you and went to taught. Mobile and so that's really probably two generations, probably three now, yeah. of people that you've had impact on and things of that matter. Yeah. So you find yourself retiring. What what put you into a mindset of retiring from, from um, Gardens? Well, because I always said I wanted to retire while I still liked what I did. There's yes, too many people that are teaching just to draw a paycheck. And I said, you know, I believe God wants me to do something else. And I don't want to leave this place with bad feelings and, you know, and resenting my job. So I thought it's time to take, get my tennis shoes and go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I thought God was probably calling me to do something else. And I look back now, it was crazy because my son graduated from high school and was going to Troy the next year. And I, what do I do? I retire and take a cut in pay. Yes, well. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, God had a plan. You know, mm -hmm. And I told you earlier, my mother had been sick most of our, our life. And I had take, helped take care of my grandmother. And it was at that point that I found my second calling. And that was to help elderly people. And mm. so I've been a caregiver since 2006. Yes, well. So we're going to get into that uh, before we end the day, too, though. <laughs> but you, you find yourself, you're retired, your son is going off to Troy. What happens after that? I didn't know. I you mean, didn't know at all? I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a plan at all. And so I, um, I was volunteering here at Fraser. My mm -hmm. daughter was in the youth group at that time. So I got real involved here. And... Uh, and so I was doing, like I said, a lot of volunteer work with small groups. And then they hired a new pastor. Okay. And you know what I'm fixing to say there. <laughs> so when this, this guy came in, um, I invited him to breakfast one morning and made him pigs in a blanket and chocolate milk. Oh, wow. And he wanted to know all about the different areas because I was so involved and I could kind of help him. Mm -hmm. And I was telling him I was kind of the leader of the life groups and, you know, coordinating mm -hmm. the life groups. And at the end of breakfast, Brian Ward said, why don't you come work to work for me and get paid for what you do? And I said, thank you, Jesus. Oh, wow. That was it. It gives me chills down. <laughs> and, of course, you know Brown Word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I said. Shout out to Brown Word. Yeah, shout out, shout out to my sunshine. Um, so I did. I just, I was ready. He was coming in about a month or two, and I came on, and the rest was history. I've been here almost 17 years now doing this. Oh, wow. So I'm just thinking in my head because, you know, I'm always trying to, tie God into everything that happens in our lives. So you're serving, and by your serving, you're rewarded for your serving. I was rewarded with my service. So that's a blessing right there. Absolutely. Still working with youth, you mm -hmm. know. And I'll be honest with you, it was easier youth, easier parents. Yes, ma'am. You know, parents were a huge, um, I don't want to say problem. What was this? It was, parents can be tough. Yes, ma'am. You know, and it really got tough when I decided to retire, too. So, um, yeah, so I thought, I can still work with kids. I can talk to them about God. I can pray with them. I can read mm -hmm. the Bible. And I got this man, Brian Word, who's just, you know, the most fantastic, one of the most fantastic dynamic men I've ever met. Yes, you ma'am. Know? And, of course, what happened with you, here oh. comes Henry Tellis. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. So I came to work. But also at that time, too, uh, and you said we would do it later. I started uh, caring for elderly people on the mm -hmm. side, you know, a little bit too. So I came to work in the youth office with Brian Ward as his assistant. So how has that been? Like from all those years from then to now, uh, being continued? Because I mean, if it, I'm really trying to be really politically correct by saying this, but I think you have been here longer than anybody when you think about it from a staff standpoint here at the church, right? Well, there's a few ladies that have been here longer, but um, for sure I'm the youth department because, you know, that's why it's I said it. Because this has been changing a lot, but I just know for since I have been here at Frazier, yeah. you've been that consistent point of contact. Well, I'm one of the older ones for sure. Yeah, but um, somebody laughed one day because they were looking at all the pictures on my cabinet behind it and had a, every every Christmas they would take a picture of the mm -hmm. youth staff. Mm -hmm. And they said, why 
is it different people every year? But you're in every one of them. I said, well, honey, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> so, so I ran them off. You know, not, yeah, not really. That. But um, people move on. You know, they grow and the opportunities come. And so, um, so with Brian, you know, then Brian left and then in came Chase Falk. Mm-hmm. And uh, stole my heart immediately. Drove yes, me crazy. Yes, <laughs> he stole my heart. And he was here a couple of years, and I loved working with him. And then mm-hmm. he moved back to Dothan, and then Tyler Grant came in a few, just a few years ago. Yes, well. Was going to retire when uh, when Chase left, and then oh wow, Ty- I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was my plan. Was in 2022, I was going oh 2020, I was going to retire. Oh wow, I never knew that. Yeah, and then Tyler came in, and nobody was here but me and Tyler. During the COVID scenario. Well, right before that. And so, because um, we didn't have no uh, female um, person at that time, did we? No, had nobody. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. Well, we well we did have two, but I'm saying they left not too long after that, and I thought I can't leave this guy here by himself. By himself, day. you know. I mean, I may be slow and old, but I do have a lot of <laughs> knowledge in my head from yes, well. year, you know about the youth, and I was been an administrator, you know, for so many years, so. I said, I, you know, I couldn't leave him. And so, best decision I ever made. Oh, wow. So, I, I tell him all the time, okay, when I age out, y'all need to let me know, and I'll go home. <laughs> or I get here, and my key won't lock the door. Like, <laughs> they're like, okay, it's time for her to leave. So, you know, Henry, though, I don't know what I'd do if I retire. I'd, I'd go home. Or I'd have to find something else to do. Why leave what you love doing? Yes, ma'am. To go do, find something you may not like. Yes, ma'am. And the kids keep me young. Oh, oh my gosh, I love them to death. Yes, ma'am. Being Mama Daisy to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids, you know, just fills my heart with so much joy. So much so let's, joy. So let's go over that scenario. Oh, Lordy, here we go. So we know Kathy Boyd. But where does Mama Daisy come from? For everybody who has that question out there, who has that, who's listening to this podcast, is like, he's talking to Mama Daisy, but I never heard nobody call her Kathy Boyd before. So, <laughs> where, so where does Mama Daisy come from? Get well, everybody that history of that, because okay. everybody can finally know where okay. that comes from. Well, somebody asked me one day, was it from Daisy Dukes? And I said, yeah, oh. right. <laughs> somebody asked you that for real? For real. Oh, man. <laughs> it was a pastor's wife. Too. You been for real? <laughs> Um, oh, wow. Years ago, before I even uh, started working, when I was volunteering, I was on a trip with a group, um, mm-hmm. with a youth group up in uh, Tennessee, and I was riding in a go-kart with one of my friends, and she was driving crazy, and so I was hooping and hollering, and so when I got out, the student pastor then asked her, said, did you feel like you were driving Miss Daisy? Oh. And so she turned to me and she said, Daisy, Miss Daisy. So it started out as Miss Daisy. Then when I came on with the youth department, Brian Word said, no, it's Mama Daisy. You know? Wow. So, and it's funny today, I mean, even today this happened. One of the students was up in her office and saw my name, and she said, I never knew your name was Kathy. I thought it was really Daisy. Wow. So if you ask the, the youth here who's Kathy Boyd, they'll be they like, have no idea who no that idea. is. No idea at so all. So Brian Word gave you the Mama Daisy name. Mm-hmm. And now, kind of like you and everybody else, a lot of them is just Mama. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, so I always said everybody needs a mama. Yes, Everywhere mama. you go, everybody needs a mama. So now everybody that officially knows how the Mama Daisy name came around. So, right. it, so it's Kathy Boyd, but I think when it's time for Mama Daisy to go beat the Lord, they're going to put Mama Daisy over there because everybody know where to find That's her. Because <laughs> <laughs> you put Kathy Boyd, it's like, who is that? I don't know who that is. <laughs> what they do with her? <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool now that we officially know. Mama Daisy when it comes to that. Yeah, and I love being Mama Daisy. Yes, ma'am. And we're glad that you are a mama to so many of us and so many youth and so many adults at that, too, mm-hmm. that maybe need that mother, that grandmother kind of figure also. Yeah. So that's a blessing. I'm sitting that. across from one of them right now. <laughs> yes, ma'am. No doubt about that at all. <laughs> I never deny that. So when you think about the part of you somehow being a caregiver, you said growing up as a child, you had to really do a lot of that. Did mm-hmm. you think that as an adult that you would be doing it now, though? No, no. Never did. i tell you how I actually came across it was um, before I got the job here, a friend of mine asked me could I take her mother to the doctor, you mm-hmm. know, one day because she had to work. And I said, sure. So I dropped her off over here at East Dell Estates, right over here by mm-hmm. the mall. It's a, a senior facility, a living facility. And when I opened the door, there sat my mother's best friend. Wow. And I said, I found the golden egg. 
because I had been to her house. My, you know, my mother, I tell you, passed away. Mm -hmm. This lady lived next door to us when we were growing up, and my mother didn't drive. She took us to church, took us to get groceries and everything. Well, I had tried to find her at her home, and she was never there. Oh, for real? Her car was there, but she was never there. And I thought, I didn't know what happened to her. And when I opened that door to East Dallas Station, there she sat. That's when I said I found the golden egg. Not too long after that, her son, who lived in California, he was, she was the only child she had, said, hey, uh, Mom said that she saw you, and she said, would you be interested in helping her out? Said she needs somebody oh, with wow. her medicine, helping her get dressed, to just, you know, help her get her day kind of jump-started. Yes, ma'am. And I said, well, you know, well, I hadn't thought about that, but we'll give it a try. And so she and I laughed six years later. We were trying to, still trying to figure out if it was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I got started, and I stayed with her till she passed away. And then after that, God always gave me just a couple months, and then the phone would ring, and somebody said, hey, I need help with my mom. Are you available? Wow. And now I've probably been doing it since 06, so, what, 17 years? And I've probably had 10 or 12 different, you know, people that I've cared for. And I absolutely love this what god has called me to do besides being with the yes, youth so it goes back to the point where she used to drive y'all around because your mom then drive then in her last stages of life you really took care of her yeah, yeah so that is just amazing again how i consistently remind everybody that life is all about cycles and circles mm -hmm. and things of that matter but yeah. the process of that god is like preparing us for things or mm -hmm. He's putting us in a position to serve others or while others are serving us, and then we find ourselves serving them again yeah. in the future, things of that matter. Absolutely. So it's very amazing that she served you guys in that that process of mm -hmm. helping y'all transportation, and then you, she just went missing, and then all of a sudden you come across her. Well, God put her there. She yes, she really wasn't missing. Yes, it was just God had, it was God's timing when he said this is, you know, this is it. So, so how is that, though, from a, I guess from a mental standpoint or spiritual standpoint that, a large amount of times you're helping people who are elderly. Some can take care of themselves, some cannot. You've seen some transition and things of that matter. Like, how's all that been for you, though? Um, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful um, job. I don't want to call it a job, but just a calling to do. But it's tough at the end, you know. And, mm -hmm. I, and I've never quit on anybody. I've always told them I would stay with them to their last yes, breath. And I've been with several of them at their last breath. And it, it's like. If you got a toddler, a toddler gets better, learns to walk, learns to feed themselves, learns to become potty trained. An adult goes that completely opposite because the, usually at the end, they're completely dependent on your care. Yes, ma'am. Um, but I always said I, I treat them like I would want somebody to treat my mother. Yes, ma'am. And they, oh, Henry, they deserve our respect. They have put their time in, their love in, their hard work, and they deserve to be treated you know, with dignity. Yes, and so I try to make sure, you know, that it happens. And it's hard on the families too, because a lot of them, that may be the first parent they lost or something. Mm -hmm. And you walk them through those, you know, through those times too. And uh, you have to tell them, it's okay to go up to their hospital bed and say, hey, I'm gonna be okay. It's mm -hmm. time for you to go. Mm -hmm. When God calls you, you, you go, yes, you know. Because a lot of, I've seen a lot of people that I've taken care for that hung on for the family. Oh, you know, wow. they were not ready to let go until the family said, hey, it's OK, it's OK. You know, so and I cry with them, you know, mm -hmm. they become family to me. Yes, I, you know, I have so many mamas now, you know, and we just honored a man today that was retiring here from Frazier. Mm -hmm. And I took care of his mother and brought tears to my eyes. He just thanked me for, you know, I stayed with her. I kept her for five and a half years. Oh, and wow. he just said, you know, thank you for what you did for my mother, you know, so. I love that calling. I love the young ones and I love the old ones. Right. Anything in between? <laughs> nah. That's a, that, you're in that, in that class. So I'm, right in, so I'm in a bad position right now. <laughs> life did. Yep, that's it, Henry. <laughs> so when you think about it long term, you know, when you think about how much you impacted people's lives in so many different ways and just those different genres, or like you said, the young people and the older people, what do you think, like, your lifelong legacy will be when you know when you go and see Jesus face to face. What do you think that we will always want to remember you for, or do you want people to always remember you for? Um, for my family, I want to be in in kind of here too at Fraser. I was a glue that kind of held them together. Mm -hmm. That's I would love that. You know, um, for the older people that I made their final days, you know, one of great blessing 
and happiness and it not something well. they, they regretted, you know, doing. Oh. So, And I pray, too. I, I tell you, Henry, I, I said, I, I don't worry because God said, that tells me don't worry, but I have concerns. And I, I do have a concern that one day I may be in that position, and I don't yes, want to be that way. Yes, I don't want somebody to come, have to come change me and feed me and bathe me. I don't want that for my children. I just hope. And I tell my kids, if I just don't wake up one day, you know, just say she died the way she wanted to go. Yes, you know. And I'm having that talk with God. You know, he yes, and I, you know we're, we're pretty tight, so I'm saying, listen here, God. You know. Yes, <laughs> so, But um, I just hope that they'll say she loved well. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, so she that's one of your legs that she loved well. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So one last thing I want to talk to you about oh, is Lordy. Being, no, stop. Okay. Being a grandmother. Oh, I talked that all day. <laughs> <laughs> so how has being a grandmother really changed things for you, like mm. changed your life in such a way? Like how has that like really impacted you? Because, you, again, you've always been around young people. You always been around us for like fifteen plus years, so mm-hmm. you've always been around from like let's say what twelve to eighteen or something like that. Yeah. But now you've had a chance to hold one of your arms, and now see them grow into that almost that teenage age themselves. Like, so how has being a grandmother been to you? Well, my joke is, if I'd have known how fun grandmother would grandmothers, I'd have done that first and skipped having the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, and you know, Henry, you know how much I love my grandchildren, how yes, involved ma'am. I am with them, with their sports, their dance, you know, everything they do. Um, I have them from two years old to 14 years old now. Mm-hmm. And I had all five of them at my house Friday. Oh, wow. How, I, how was that, though, from uh, two to 14, though? You wouldn't believe how much they love. And the, the 14, I have 14, 12, 10, 4, and 2. Wow. And the the older ones love, absolutely love the little ones, and the, and the little ones adore the other old ones. They play together. My 14 year old, he I won't say his name because I don't want anybody to know who he, you know. He'll get down on the floor and play dolls. He'll do any play, you know, dress up, you know, with mm-hmm. them. Oh, you shouldn't believe it. It does my heart so much good. I'm the happiest I ever am when all and I say all my chicks are under my roof. Oh wow! You know? So, and I. I mean, I'm so proud of them. The oldest one has made it to the World Series in uh, mm-hmm. Dixie Youth Baseball and won. And, you know, the other ones won championships, you know, you know in football. Mm-hmm. And my oldest granddaughter won state in, you know, gymnastics. And, wow. of course, the little ones are, you know, the four- mm-hmm. and the two-year-old are coming along. But, oh, man, it makes my heart just bust open with pride. So that's, so that's kind of a gig. It goes back to the scenario you grew up as a child loving sports. And being a cheerleader, things that matter. Mm-hmm. So now you have your grandchildren that yeah. are like just in the same path or really falling in love yeah. with those sports. Things that so how does that make you feel that? Because they could have went the other way. They could have been like, I want chess or I want to, yeah. you know, do something else. But how has that made you feel also knowing that they have that athletic passion, that passion to be great athletes right. also? Well, I would support them no matter what they did, mm-hmm. you know. But, boy, I'm glad they chose sports. <laughs> 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 so, um you know, I mean, it is. There's nothing makes me, you know, feel so proud to just sit up there in the stands and watch them. And my son has coached, you know, my son mm-hmm. has coached several. He coached the World Series team that won the championship. And that was probably the proudest moment of my life for him. Not him playing. He's had some his time playing. Mm-hmm. But to see my son coach my grandson and oh, win wow, over that is a blessing. Oh, my goodness. I cried all the way home from Louisiana. Oh, you know? wow. <laughs> so it, it does. It just does you good. And, you know, and they're forming that community, too. You know, mm-hmm. they they're meeting these boys and these families, and you know they're they're making those those friendships that are going to last them a lifetime. You know, you've got friends that you've played ball mm-hmm. with that you're still close to. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to get plugged in somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but to watch my kids perform and do well, they're all good students. You know, so yes, I mean, I've been blessed. You know, with and they're all healthy, and I have a big picture in my my den that uh, that they gave me. It was all of them together. Oh wow. And, so it hangs in there, and every morning when I do my, my small group, I mean my um, quiet time, mm-hmm. and I read one of the first things I look up those pictures, and I say, God, thank you for those blessings. And then I also say, God, please protect them mm-hmm. from this world, mm-hmm. you know. Just please watch over and protect mm-hmm. But let them be good, godly men and women, and, you know, I know you're preparing them for marriage. Mm-hmm. You've got somebody in mind. But mm-hmm. I pray over those children every day. That's yeah. a blessing. Yeah, because it is. It's a hard world they're yes, going to see. Yes, yes. ma'am. So. So last thing. Oh, goodness. Just spend like 30 seconds to a minute just 
sharing what's on your heart, like wisdom to anybody who's listening to this podcast. Like, what wisdom do you have for them? No matter where they may be in life, they may be 12, they may be 15, they may be 25, they may be 30, they may be 60, they may be 70. What wisdom do you have for them or people who listen to the podcast right now? Well, I would tell anybody, get your life right with the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not right with God, you know, we didn't know we were going to wake up today. Mm-hmm. You know, so make the most of every day because it's maybe the last one. And Pastor Chris preached Sunday on that, too. If there's somebody you need to make amends with, you need to do it now. Mm-hmm. You know, because they may not be here tomorrow. You may not be here tomorrow. But just live every day like it's your last, but always put God first before you do anything. And the rest of it, you know, there's nothing God won't, won't, that you won't be put through that God can't help you get through, mm-hmm. you know. And I have a little card on my mirror, my makeup mirror. It says, don't tell God how big the storm is. Tell the storm how big God is. That's cool. And that's what I live by. There's that's no cool. storm. And you know, too, we didn't go into it, but that's fine. That I've had some storms in my life. Yes, ma'am. You know, but, uh, you know, I've come through them, and I'm a better mm-hmm. person. And now God has let me mentor to people that have mm-hmm. been through, you know, some of the things. And I have big old Henry tell it, people like big old Henry tell us that I can call in the middle of the night or call him from downtown and tell him I'm at the at the biscuits game. He's like, do I need to come down there? Are you okay? Yes, well, I'll be there as soon as you call me. You know, I'll be there as quick as possible. I know. I called you one night. You said, where are you? Are you okay? And I was going, I'm fine, Henry. I just wanted to ask you a question. So, <laughs> yes, well. But, um, you know, God, I, I really think, because of what the storms I have been through that, mm-hmm. that God said, you know, he's put some women in my life that have experienced that the last five years. And I, it was like turning on a switch. I was like, this is why I went through it because God needed to use me to help the, some women that are doing the same thing. So, that is so cool. Yeah. So I just want to thank you for being on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed being on 4116 West Smiley. Yeah. And more than anything, I just want to remind everybody that Mrs. Kathy Boyd, Mama Daisy's life is again uh, a testament to my favorite scripture, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, that God has a plan, plan and all things. And in spite of things maybe looking in your life right now, just, you know, go back and listen to this podcast and listen to, you know, a lot of things that Mama Daisy said today. You know, her life is a testament that God was mapping out things for her life even when she didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And he was putting her in positions to impact other people's lives. So I just want to thank you, Mama Daisy, for your heart letting God use you and also for God having a purpose and a plan for your life because it impacted my life and other people's lives too so again today is a reminder again of God's faithfulness not only toward my life but your life too and that all of our lives has a purpose and a plan so thank you for being on today's podcast and thank you so much for being a servant of God well Henry you know that uh, you have a special place in my heart since we met in the youth group years ago Uh and uh so when I and uh, so when I count my blessings, I count you twice, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you so I love much. you, sweetie. Love you too. All right. All right. Okay.